I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Heron, assistant editor at TFS and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I am your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Each week, a guest and I discuss a film from his filmography, which we're working through in chronological order. On this episode, we'll be discussing The Replacements. Uh, joining me to talk about the 2000s sports comedy is The Mike. How's it going, Mike? Hey, very good. Good to be here. Good to have you on. Uh, so, uh, as usual, get this out of the way. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Keanu uh, in general, Mike. Um, in general, I am definitely a fan of Keanu. It's looking at the replacements and where I was at at the time. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, this stage of being a teenager in the late nineties. Um, a lot of women were fans of Keanu and a lot of young men weren't, mm-hmm. um, at least from my experience in the Midwest. Uh, I, it was kind of a joke with a lot of people I knew that Keanu was, you know, the bad actor and he's in all these movies. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily agree with that. Um, I wasn't a big fan at the time. I think the replacements we saw in the theater, a bunch of friends and I was one of the first times where a lot of people were like, Oh, he's, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of funny in that regard. The Matrix was right before this. Right. And no one I knew watched The Matrix when it came out. Huh. At least we never, I don't remember ever. I was a senior in high school and we didn't talk about The Matrix. Like, I saw it later on video huh. um, when I was working at a video store. So it was kind of a weird situation where I remember my sister being a big Keanu <laughs> fan after we saw Speed when we were growing up. Right. And it was, you know... He was just kind of a guy that was in some of the stuff I watched. Yeah. Um, but as I grew older and saw more of his movies, I hadn't seen Bill and Ted yet at that point, which kind of blew my mind open on that <laughs> later. Um, I definitely became more of a fan and looked at him in a much different light than the younger Mike did. Yeah, I, I think that's a common thing. I mean, uh, something I've, you know, uh, gathered as we've gone through his filmography to this point uh People have just gone through phases of him. I mean, it kind of works that, like, his, he went through phases and people kind of just, you know, that he was in a movie, you know, he was in so many different kinds of movies that, uh, I mean, a lot of his best movies up until this point, uh, you know, even before The Matrix were more of his lesser known, you know, indie films like, sure. you know, My Own Private Idaho and stuff, which probably has one of his best performances, but mainstream audiences weren't necessarily being exposed to that. They were basically getting, you know, his good ones like speed, you know, the speed and point break and stuff. But in mm-hmm. between the times they would see him were maybe in the more mainstream ones like that weren't very good. Uh, yeah. So some yeah. Romantic comedies. Not right. That that's necessarily a bad thing, but some of them weren't very good. And, <laughs> right. But um, chain on chain reaction was a bit of a. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting <laughs> that, uh, you know, that replacements was right after the matrix because of like, that was obviously the movie where, you know, the matrix obviously was, uh, iconic and hugely yep. influential, and so it's kind of crazy that this was just right afterwards. Uh, yeah, and but it's just uh, emblematic of his career overall, just how he's always making interesting choices that you not expect. Like you, you know, going from the Matrix to this is unexpected, but at the same time, it kind of it's kind of like a palate cleanser a little bit. Like just kind of you know, you have the Matrix, and it's kind of cool that you just went to make a kind of middle-of-the-road sports movie. Yeah, it's definitely a, a safe movie for him, but also something that just, it was a perfect fit. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we talk about the movie. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, the Replacements, uh, yeah, sports comedy, uh, directed by Howard Deutsch. Uh, and 
uh, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much, it's a sports comedy, you know, it's like, it is what it is, but at the same time, like, yeah, Keanu, I think it's kind of, he kind of makes this movie, uh, he just does a good job of, uh, you know, kind of, it's, it's very tropey, it's got a lot of, you know, it's got pretty much every sports comedy cliche you can think, but it, like, you care because of these, uh, this interesting, lots of character actors, and uh, Keanu does a good job you know, as both the quarterback leading it through, but also as the star. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a super, he's always super likable. And this is, you know, this takes full advantage of that. Yeah. I was definitely really interested when I saw this movie, um, at the time more so, but still now I've, I've always been kind of what I call a football brat. Hmm. Uh, my dad was a football coach and I played football growing up. So I, you know, was every weekend in the you know, fall and winter, we're watching football. Sure. Um, seeing what's going on there. Um, and football movies, on the other hand, were never some of my favorite things to see because it, you know, obviously a movie doesn't do the sport the same way always. Right. Um, what interests me a lot about the replacements, though, is it's kind of a true story, but adapted to the times. Right. Um, the NFL, I'll get a little nerdy here for a second. Sure, do uh, it. <laughs> had a strike in 1987. was the hmm. last time they had any replacement players, which is what the game is about. Where right. the NFL Players Association went on strike. The team said, you know what, fine, we'll just bring in new employees. Mm-hmm. They brought in all new players. Um, and some of the players didn't go on strike, decided to keep playing. But there were two teams that were entirely populated by replacement players one of which was the Washington Redskins. This movie, it's the Washington Sentinels. Right. Um, and those replacement players in Washington won all three of the replacement games before the real players came back. And the Redskins then went on and won the Super Bowl that year. Wow. Uh, so this is an update of that to an extent. It's a different time. The NFL had a really big success in the 90s with a new TV deal and some free agency starting. Mm-hmm. Um so it wasn't the same scenario, and it always kind of thought seemed weird to me that the NFL was doing really well when this movie came out. Um, but at the same time, then, one of the complaints was players wanted so much money in free agency right. at the time. Yeah. And this movie definitely <laughs> speaks directly to that. Yeah. I mean, it gives it a little bit, especially early on, it kind of gives it an odd vibe. I mean, just because of the way, uh, I mean, eventually it makes it clear which we'll get into that the owners are you know kind of greedy are greedy as well but like oh yeah absolutely. at first it comes across as like oh these i mean it's one thing that the only players that were given face of of the striking players are the spoiled rich right uh the, you know uh quarterback and almost, it gives me a very you know tom brady patriots vibe like of and yes so um, we're not i mean we're not given like it makes sense that players want to get more money especially the you know, the non-stars, right? Like, that that makes sense, but it, it, this movie is mostly, it's, it's basically like these, uh, you know, these rich guys are spoiled and want more money, even though they're not yeah. doing very well. Like There's there's lines that are directly about that. Um, the main character from the regular players we see is uh, the previous quarterback, Eddie Martell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Cullen, the character actor, plays him. And the owner uh keeps saying you know how he's a wimp he's given up on plays uh when they talk to gene hackman as the coach jimmy mcginty mm-hmm. he talks about how there's no heart he talks about how you know there are millionaires that don't play to win right um and it really goes for all those tropes like you said of okay the sport shouldn't be about the money it should be about the game right uh yeah i mean so early on it's like it makes you think that this owner's like you know, oh, I don't want to give them money because that's not what it's about. But it's clearly that he's just like, uh, later on we find out that he's just as, uh, you know, the, the real is that these scrappy underdogs and this uh, coach that got fired because he like, you know, basically wasn't playing modern football, you know, coaching modern football. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really what the story's about. Like, uh, I mean, it doesn't all, it, so I think at its heart, it's one of those well-intentioned movies. And I think for the most part, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it does a good job of making you care about it. I mean, it's not, again, it's not super, uh, 
doesn't get too deep into the political stuff it's more no, just about. No, that's something I definitely noticed rewatching it again. And I mean, it's a simple comedy, but um, there are ideas in it that are interesting. Like I'm talking a lot more about this owner versus players right. gap than the movie really does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't, it's really not interested in that. It's trying to be a four-quadrant, you know, just uh, general audience crowd-pleaser. And sure. it definitely I mean, succeeds at that. And, I, you know, it's like, this, you know, it's one of those things where it's not trying, I mean, it's uh, it's not trying to be anything more than that. And that's that's okay. Not, not every movie needs to uh, do that. And just, yeah, the fact that those ideas are in there surprised me in this rewatch. Yeah, it really kind of seems like... I remember when I first saw it thinking as a comparison, it was kind of the football version of major league. Yeah. And it, um, uh-huh. just with a whole team kind of being formed out of these random players. Of course, that movie is about the owner trying to lose on purpose. This one puts in the labor thing instead. Right. Uh, but it's that same formula a little bit. Yeah. It, and it, uh, I'll get into it more. Yeah. But it also reminded me of like basically the, felt a little bit like the adult version of the mighty ducks like you know the, uh, yeah i mean it's not it's just that they're they're basically just in the fact that they're getting these uh kind of odd unruly guys that have this they'll all have like one great like uh you know which we'll get into as the players but the the, the mcginty basically picks these players that are you know no one's ever given given really a chance but that they all have this you know, like one's really like uh, Orlando Jones character is like super fast, but he can't catch yeah. for shit. Uh, yeah, you know? <laughs> that's another thing that real NFL teams are doing at the time. So I really like that storyline with it too. Yeah, uh, and I so I just uh, the opening of the movie, you can tell immediately that this is an early two thousands movie, uh, just based on the song that's playing over the uh, opening title, opening just, credits. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, so Keanu uh, is play is. Uh, we don't really know who he is yet, but he's uh, clearly a quarterback. He's like working on a. He lives in a houseboat. He's uh, working as a boat cleaner. This scene, uh, I watched this movie a lot on cable uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. and this scene always is the one that I think of just because it's him. Uh, it's a little weird because he's like uh, he's diving underwater and finds a trophy of his own that he's like surprised to find underwater, and it's like did he? It's. Uh, and then he just starts, but this is just a great scene of him playing, like, sort of throwing the football, his uh, trophy football around underwater. And yeah, that's always made me laugh. Where it's like, did he throw it out the window drunk or something, <laughs> you know? And just then he's underwater pretending to be a quarterback, going through the motions with this, you know, metal football. Um, and it apparently had been down there a while. He's like wiping wiping the dust off it, like found treasure, right? It's, Which is yeah, I mean, it, it, it sets it, it him just, up. Yeah, it's funny, uh, like. Uh, but yeah, and then, uh, so yeah, basically the, uh, the Sentinels are, there's a strike going on in the league, uh, and, uh, the owner brings in, uh, like you said, Jimmy McGinty, uh, he's basically fired him earlier and now he wants him back because it's a little unclear, like, is the coach also striking or does he just yeah, like that- refuse it? It's like, there's a little, uh, they kind of gloss over some of those things, but. Uh, they make a reference to him already having a coach and him saying, well, he'll take care of that. Like, he's just this ruthless owner. Oh, sure, sure. Um, but they don't really, again, uh, Jack Warden playing the owner, yeah. they don't really get any deeper into that other than he's just doing whatever he feels like because it's his team as the owner. Right. Uh, so, yeah, basically, they there's four games left in the regular season. Uh, they basically need to win three to get into the playoffs. And so that's really all they want is they want these replacement players to come in and maybe, uh, uh, you know, win enough to get to the playoffs. So the new team can come back and, uh, or the, the original team can come back and finish. But, uh, and McGinty agrees only if he can uh, just pick these players by himself and have full discretion of what, of who to pick. And because uh, yep. all the other teams are basically just hiring semi-pro uh, athletes or, you know, college players that missed the draft or whatever, just like already established teams. And, but uh, McGinty knows that it's, you know, he wants to get these people that he's basically using this as an opportunity to, to bring back the glory days as, you know, football of like just guys that are in it for the game, not for uh, money. So he uh, just pulls together all these guys. And I really like this. It's your 
typical sports recruiting montage. Uh, but yeah. I, it, again, more Mighty Ducks and Major League uh, comparisons. But uh, and I just like the uh, you know John Favreau's in this. I completely forgotten about that, even though I had seen this a bunch. But uh, John Favreau plays Bateman, who's this uh, crazy SWAT officer, and this is a this is a funny like. Uh, scene of him just like he's just a maniac yeah he plays this overly stereotypical linebacker Mm -hmm. who is he's a SWAT officer who's overly violent and loves hitting people Mm -hmm. um and had played college football and just he comes in and yeah he's the maniac whose whole job is okay I'm gonna hit the guy yeah and I I really love John Favre's having a blast here like it's just Mm -hmm. it's funny because I mean obviously the other I mean he's in one of the most uh, one of the most iconic football movies ever, Rudy. Uh, but he's playing a very, obviously, a very different character here than he did in that. But it's kind of, it's kind of fun to see him playing like just. Uh, and he's played characters like this again since. Uh, and I think he just enjoys being a macho psycho. <laughs> yeah, macho kind of goofy psycho. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite subplot that I wish was more in this movie than you have that character the police officer turned linebacker mm-hmm. and then uh, the defensive back playing safety behind him is a, a convicted criminal who they get out of prison to play on the team. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, they basically only, yeah, I, I did like that subplot, but like they basically bring it up twice and once it's like as a joke and then the other, it's like uh, later at the, at the end of the movie where they're like doing it as this like bonding moment. But yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's, it's there, but yeah, that would have been a fun, uh, to go into more, but uh, yeah, and then the other uh, next pl- like Orlando Jones uh, is this like I said like the fastest guy he's ever seen, but he can't catch. Uh, and then there's these two uh, brothers that are bouncers that like they were playing football. Uh, they're like on the same team, and they're like basically they're only good together. Uh, yeah, the two guards, uh, Andre and Jamal. This is something I watched this movie a ton in college, and one of my roommates and I. We would always quote the two guards like going to football games or if we're watching football, they have their little moment between each other with the finger guns at each other like, we're mm-hmm. playing football. Oh, yeah. Football. <laughs> it's always a good laugh. And we probably still, I think 20 years later, I see that roommate of mine, we're going to a football game and we'll probably end up quoting this movie. Yeah, I think, yeah, my, my brother and I used to watch, uh, my brother basically always wanted to watch, whenever it's on cable, he like insisted that we watch it. Like I remember like, I, mean, I, I liked it, but then at the same time, I was like, I remember if I saw it scrolling through, I would like quickly change it if we, you know, because so we just watch it. Like, caught on it. Right. But uh, yeah, that was a line we would always, uh, you know, uh, quote together. And yeah, it's just a fun, it's, it's funny. Like as soon as I saw that scene of them, I was like, I had forgotten that line and then it immediately came back. Uh, so. mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, Reese Evans uh, is uh, this Welsh soccer player who, is like amazing kicker, uh, but basically he's a drunk who plays his bets on himself. Uh, so he's, that's basically why he's like uh, he was a football player or, or soccer player, but it's basically just like everyone is just disgraced. And uh, yeah, he now owns a bar in Hell's Kitchen. And then the weird thing is he owes money to the mob, and that kind of becomes a subplot, but again, doesn't really get fleshed out at all. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean they. It's clear that, like, when they show him, uh, there's these bookies that are harassing him for something. But, again, like, we... It's almost like they don't care. They're like, we'll just have... The, we'll just bring this up again at the last minute and yeah. hope you catch on. But... Uh, uh, which is fine. I mean, it it makes sense. Like, that. Uh, yeah, it's not his movie, so, I mean, we right. don't need it's to a, spend yeah. too much time on it. <laughs> yeah, it's... They, they just give them enough that you... Uh, can hold on to and then have they'll have moments where like oh yeah you know again crowd pleasing moments uh, and then yeah then the final player is obviously Keanu uh, as Shane Falco and basically he was uh, like a star college player uh, but he blew uh, the Sugar Bowl like so he did he just had this, the worst game of his life and then that's all he's remembered for right like yep. uh and I, they, I guess they say that he plays a little bit professional, but, like, basically, uh, he... Or no, maybe it was just, like, his senior year or something, but basically, like, uh, they started basically hanging the team on him. Uh, and so, that's all he's remembered for is just, again, that loss. 
Yeah, the way McGinty talks about it, from my understanding, would be that he went pro and his first year was thrust into the starting lineup when he, you know, wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, he had three concussions in that Sugar Bowl, allegedly, is what he mentions, which in today's NFL, obviously, that's a big talking point. Um, and it had lasting effects. He wasn't ready to go pro um, and it shook him up and he was out of the league pretty quick is kind of the way I read it. Um, and the funny coincidence there too that's an inside joke um his college ball according to this movie he played at ohio state which makes this the second movie where keanu played a quarterback from ohio state <laughs> right with uh, johnny utah of course yeah so that's why yeah i mean i am i'm happy this movie exists for that only purpose is that point break talks about him you know utah being a uh, star quarterback and like that we get to see him actually being a quarterback is yeah uh it's good times like i uh, so basically, I like my two favorite quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers and Keanu Reeves. Like <laughs> that's that's totally fair by me. Uh, and yeah, so um, McGinty basically he goes to Falco personally, and it's clear that he like uh, wants to give this kid a chance. Like he wants to uh, again relit, you know, kind of even if it's only for a temporary time to bring back what you know football's all about. Uh, and uh, you know, he, uh, Falco's like, you know, Keanu just plays this really well of like the, uh, burned out, like kind of like he's afraid of, uh, he's just, he's happy to just be hiding out on this boat and like, uh, but just the regret in his eyes is very clear. I mean, this is something that, uh, Keanu excels at and this is almost, uh, so I wouldn't say it's one of his best movies, but it's one of his, my, one of my favorite roles of his just because he, it's just perfect for him, like, where he's uh, not saying a lot, he's a man of few words, he's basically playing Keanu if he were a quarterback. And like, Yeah, he's definitely it. just having fun with it, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of, it feels like that with everyone in the movie. I, one of my favorite things as a football fan watching this movie is uh, the announcers, they got Pat Summerall and John Madden, who right. were the voices of the NFL for many, many mm-hmm. years, um, and they're kind of parodying themselves while these players are out there goofing around. You know, these games are supposed to be duds. It's a whole farce of the situation. Right. There's fake players in there. But having, like, the real announcers there talking about, like, my favorite moment, the center scores a touchdown, and John Madden talks about how exciting it is to see a fat guy touchdown because you get a fat guy dance. <laughs> right, yeah. These were the fun. things you always wanted to hear on, like, you know, Sundays watching NFL games from John Madden being goofy. And now you actually got to see with these kind of goofy players running around led by Keanu. It's just a, it's not, you know, what football looks like to a professional level, but with the idea of them being replacements and this being just thrown together, it actually handles it all pretty well. Yeah. And it it starts with the, uh, like when this first practice is a lot of fun, uh, we're like, uh, like we're introducing more players. Like I like the, uh, uh, David Denman from uh, The Office and lots of stuff. Yep. Uh, uh, he's one of my favorite characters in this movie. Uh, he plays a deaf tight end, and it's kind of, uh, again, like it's something, again, that they could have maybe dived into a little more, but at the <laughs> yeah. same time, I'm just glad it's there. I'm glad that there is some, uh, that, like, it's kind of, you know, very uh, authentic that, like, he is a great player, but he only didn't make it because he's deaf, and, like, it's cool that he gets to have a chance to play professionally and uh, yeah, that's another subplot they bring up and then don't do a ton with. There's the running back who got injured in college and just wants to score a touchdown. Yeah, so it's basically... They, yeah. they mention that, but they don't really, you know, focus on it a ton. Yeah, I mean, it's basically uh, just him. Yeah, like these characters that they give us that moment in these, you know, these training montages and then they'll just maybe bring it up later in the movie. And uh, again, it's... You know, it's only a two-hour movie, and again, they picked that Keanu's the star, obviously. But yeah, those are things that it would be cool if they were explored a little more. But at the same time, again, it works in the moment. So yeah, you're not going to do a three-hour Keanu comedy. This isn't any given Sunday where they're you know doing every detail, right? Um, But Uh, it is for what it is a lot of fun to see those different characters, and yeah, the actors. It's a really fun cast. Like, everyone's having a good time with it. They're just having a blast. I mean, they're, you know, like, the, especially one of my favorite scenes, which we'll talk about soon, about the, like, them in prison. The, them in the jail cell is great. Uh, yep. And, uh, so, yeah, basically, uh, Keanu shows up after everyone else. Uh, 
And this is where the striking player... It's funny that, like, uh, they're millionaires, but they're just hanging around the stadium parking lot waiting to harass these guys. Uh, and they uh, flip over his car uh, and, like... But, you know, he plays it cool. He just walks away. And, but then there's a line where uh, Martel yells, you know, you're not a has-been, you're never was. And, like, so this mm-hmm. is really the... Uh, it just I just find that funny that they're, like... Instead of hanging out in their mansions... They're like just they're actually picketing yeah. like while they're on strike, which is not really what you'd expect from, you know, like you mentioned Tom Brady. If the NFL was on strike, I don't think Tom Brady would be standing outside the stadium with a sign. Right. Uh, yeah, and then it almost makes you think like those guys. Like you see these people, these players that are holding signs, and I'm like, I get what they're coming from, but no, we're, <laughs> we need this just to be that we only see the jerks. Like, <laughs> right, but. Uh, the owners know they're on strike. They don't need to, you know, advertise. Yeah, uh, and I love, uh, you know, Keanu's entrance here. It's just a, you know, he, him running in the field with, you know, the mist blowing and his hair yep, blowing. Yeah, long hair. Yeah, it's great. Uh, gotta love long-haired Keanu. Uh, yep. And, uh, yeah, and then this is funny. So, like, uh, his love interest is uh, the head cheerleader, but it's weird here. Like, I guess she, I guess the cheerleaders are also on strike. Like, they never... Explicitly. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me either. But again, it's just one of those, you know, we're starting everything from scratch. She's still there. I don't know why. Yeah. She's got to form a cheerleading. Yeah. So they need to have lots of, uh, you know, kind of, we- you know, super weird gender politics here about these, you know, like, you're the strippers. And, you know, like, it's it's really just, you know, it's, they got to have that. Like, they got to have that subplot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I like. Well, and then there's obviously the romance subplot, right. which kicks all of the. You know, okay, he's got this cheerleader who owns a bar and knows everything about football and hangs out with strippers. That's the love interest. Right. Like, it needs to be that. What Like, that's all she, like, she's this, you know, she's gorgeous and she likes dancing and she likes, she's a, super into football and she's a little, you know, crazy. Like, they're driving fat. Like, yeah. Yep. Just, yep. She's basically like, this is what, you know, like the football fans dream. Like... Uh, yeah, it's it's not a great role. No, she's she's a very likable actress in the movie, and it works with her opposite Keanu, definitely. Yeah, and this is one again. Like, I wish there was more there, like in the, in terms of like on the page and everything. But it's good to see, you know, Keanu has good chemistry. They have good chemistry, so it yes, uh, it overcomes, especially which we'll get to a really awkward scene in a little bit. But uh, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, Falco, uh, you know, they, uh, he's distracted by her, uh, and gets, you know, it's her classic, you know, gets laid out, uh, because he's distracted and, uh, but there's this, it is funny though, cause we get this, uh, back and forth between him and Favreau where like, uh, Favreau keeps, uh, sacking him because, you know, like, and not taking it easy on him. And, uh, there's this great, like where, uh, he's like, don't hit the guy with the red jersey. And he says, you know, like, I yeah. act like a bull. And it's, and they do the, they bring that back up and it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah, that's a big practice no no. You never want to touch the quarterback. And he obviously, that builds up the Favreau character as the crazy wild man where he's just like unstoppable, just doing what he wants, hitting everyone. Uh, very much, you know, what your stereotypical fantasy linebacker would be in that type of setting. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and as well for this practice, uh, Annabelle is the head cheerleader and she brings him, she, she drives him home because his car is wrecked and, uh, and now trope alert of her saying that she doesn't want to date football player. You know, she doesn't date football players. Uh, but you yeah. know, you need that. You need to have her and at the same time. She has inside info on other teams <laughs> and is explaining their blitzes and, you know, giving that. Well, I'm I'm smart about football. I know what's going on, but also I don't date football players. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, after that, uh, there's this good. I, I like uh, Hackman's good in this. Uh, I like the scenes with uh, between Keanu and Hackman, and uh, especially this scene where they he's like, you know, questioning him like, "Why me?" And he says, "You know, uh, it's I see two men: the man you are and the man you are to be." And it's kind of funny that like for the majority, of this is like a broad. Uh, comedy, but then also they'll have those moments of like trying to make it like a uh, heartfelt sports drama, but it like mm-hmm. doesn't entirely work. But at the same time, it's it's good enough to for what it you know it's 
Uh, it's appreciated, appreciated even if it doesn't fully uh, earn it, but... Yeah, in essence, Keanu's playing someone with PTSD mm-hmm. from getting too many concussions. Or some other, I guess I don't know what the official concussion disease would be. I didn't watch the Will Smith movie. <laughs> um, but it's, again, just kind of an afterthought that they can mention. But at the same time, he's trying to get his head back in the game is right. really what they stick it at. Yeah. Uh, and I, this first game is a lot of fun uh, of them all being, uh, ter- you know, they're uh, like the, the first huddle. They're like fight. They start fighting each other and they get. Over who gets to call the huddle, yeah. Right, they get, like, six penalties in the first three minutes, and it's, you know, like, uh, all against each other. Um, and, uh, but, like, uh, the owner has a funny line here where he says, like, I've seen monkey shit fights that are more organized than this. <laughs> uh, but my favorite, yeah, the best part is, uh, so before the game, uh, the sumo wrestler, uh, you know, huge offensive lineman, uh, eats a bunch of eggs before the game. Uh, and so obviously he's going to get sick. Uh, but then it's just like, it's funny that the, uh, this is your classic thing where they, uh, the first time they're bonding is where they, uh, the first thing they do as a team is moving away from the puke, you know, like moving the huddle away yeah. from the, uh, yeah. Cause everyone's afraid they're going to puke. So they have to move the huddle. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and the so, announcers make fun of, you know, we've never seen anything like this before, but then McGinty chimes in. Well, it's the first thing they've done together. <laughs> right. Uh, and then uh, the... So this first game doesn't go well. Uh, they... Uh, but they, like, are man After this huddle thing, they finally... Actually, their first movement where they, like, uh, get into field goal range. Uh, and they do it. You know, they, they score, uh, get on the board, but then uh, it just doesn't go well from there. Uh yeah, they have a chance to win at the end of the game, and this plays back into that, you know, Keanu has the ghosts in his head of the game. Right. Where he ends up pitching the ball to the running back instead of running a pass play because of the blitz, and the running back comes up short of the end zone, um, and Hackman really gets on him about, you know, winners want the ball in their hands. Another one of those football coach <laughs> tropes that they really throw down of, you've got to want to win. Right. Uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, he panics at the last second, uh, like not willing to make that, you know, not willing to put it, put himself out there again. Uh, so he does a fake and the play almost, you know, it's a good play, but it just doesn't, uh, it, you know, they lose uh, the first game. So basically now that, of course, now they have to win the next three. So that gives you the stakes. And, uh, but then this leads to probably my favorite couple scenes in the movie. Uh, after the game, they go mourn the loss at a bar uh, yep. and I will survive starts playing and they all, you know, the other guys are like, turn it off. Like turn that crap off. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah. And then, uh, the striking players show up, start messing with them. This is where they're, they're starting being ableist dicks where they're making fun of the, uh, deaf guy. Uh, but then he says like, this one of my favorite, like where he gives Keanu a napkin and it says, you know, the best thing about being deaf is that you can't hear the assholes. And, yep. And then, of course, it turns into a big bar brawl. Uh, yeah. You know, throwing things everyone except Orlando Jones yeah. hiding behind the jukebox. He's the one that played I Will Survive. Right. He, at least I remember in the early 2000s, Orlando Jones was kind of a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. Or like he was budding into being something. There were those 7-Up commercials. I don't know if you remember this at all. Yeah, I mean, he and but, he was on, he was in most of the movies that, we, that I remember watching a lot on uh, cable. Like he was in... Uh, I can't blanking on the name, but uh, he was in a movie with. Uh, it was a like a double take. I think it was called double take with Eddie Griffin. Yeah, with yeah. Eddie Griffin. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, th- that and this were movie were like on cable all the times. So I remember I watched those many times uh, as a kid. Yeah, and he's kind of the comic relief throughout. You know, it's kind of whatever could go wrong mm-hmm. happens with Clifford Franklin. Um. Right. The one storyline they do play up more than any of the others with the players is him not being able to catch the ball. Right. And we'll get into that yeah. with the next game. Yeah. Uh, so the ball brawl breaks out. They get arrested. Uh, and then this is my favorite scene in the movie of them uh, in the jail cell. Finally, kind of, uh, they're now bond Again, just like uh, Major League and Mighty Ducks where they're like, you know, they're just one-to-one scenes of them finally, like, uh, all bonding together and... Uh, you know, they start singing, I will survive. And there's a great, like, 
the way he builds into that is great. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. uh, I was scared and I'm petrified, you know. Uh, but, you know, and then dancing in the cell, uh, it's just a just a feel-good, funny moment. It's a real fun yeah. moment, and it's it's goofy as heck. There's, I mean, they're doing the electric slide, <laughs> first of all, is the one thing I noticed watching it. It's not, you know, it's completely choreographed to that, and then they've got I, Sur- I Will Survive playing. And also, uh, David Denman, as the deaf guy, is, like, leading the dance <laughs> half the time, yeah. which is funny to an extent. Uh, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, that's uh, the... Coach bails him out, and you know, again, lots, of, you know, very predictable, but it's fu- it's still fun to see uh, Gene Hackman, you know, chewing them out, but then also saying, you know, I wish I was there to see it. Uh, yeah, and Hackman's just perfect for this, like this kind of gruff but likable, uh, you know, heart of gold coach, and uh, yeah, it's just the kind of kind of role I like seeing uh, Hackman play. Yeah, kind of like you were saying with Keanu, this is just it's almost Hackman playing himself to an extent. It's a real simple role for him, but it's fun. It's He's able to choose some scenery. He's able to, you know, give the big inspirational moments. Yeah, I mean, he's got the uh, trench coat and the hat. You know, he's got the... Mm-hmm. He's basically, you know, uh, Vince Lombardi with his hat, you know, like the uh, classic. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just fun to see them uh, play off each other. And uh, especially now, you know, Hackman's been scaling back a lot recently, so anytime I see Hackman in a movie, it's just... Uh, it's just a joy now. Yeah, it's one of his last roles he's done, and it's you know nice to see him having fun and making the most out of a pretty simple movie. Yeah, uh, and then uh, this is when uh, Martel does plays the same thing, has him flip his truck again, uh, has his guys flip their flip County's truck again, but this time the uh, guards come out and just like empty a clip into like. Uh, okay, now we're having... They just have guns, and now they're shooting up a car and no, having no fallout from it. <laughs> yeah, they're introduced as kind of involved in some sort of under underworld seedy mm-hmm. stuff. They're, they're dressed like bouncers with gold chains and stuff right. at the beginning when we meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then as they're going into the stadium, they pull out a gun, shoot out Martel's windshield. Um, they're really funny characters at the moment, just of, you know... That stereotypical, oh, what? What did you say to my man? Yeah. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, again, like, it's not the most forward-thinking thing, but it's like the, uh, it just, it's, you know, Faith on Love is a great comic actor, and so he does a good mm-hmm. job of, uh, you know, it's just good to see these guys, you know, as weird and, you know, uncomfortable as it is, it's still, like, it, it's fine. Given what the movie is, it I can go with it. Like Sure. Uh, but yeah, and then now McGinty gives it, they have this big... Uh, heart to heart uh, in the locker room where he asks like what their fears are uh, and Keanu this is probably the best Keanu moment uh, where he you know just get like uh, kind of opening himself up and talking about how uh, like he says what he's afraid of is quicksand uh, mm-hmm. basically meaning that like you make one mistake and that can basically it gets in your head and then that constantly uh, you're making mistake after mistake and before you re- realize it you're uh, in over your head and yep. Uh, so it's I this movie uh, it's kind of it's kind of got a bit of a it works but it's like has a bit of an identity crisis like I mentioned earlier where it like it wants to be both things it wants to be a uh, broad comedy and have the authentic you know heartfelt moments and yeah uh, but it, it works. When they for set se- him up. Yeah, they set him up with Orlando Jones and the rest of the team talking about how scared they are of spiders mm-hmm. when he first asked what you're afraid of. Gene Hackman even is like, well, what are you afraid of on the field? And he goes, you mean like spiders on the field? <laughs> and, you know, they've got this ha-ha big funny moment, and then Keanu is the centering yeah. presence that brings it back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this movie would not work as well as it does without... Like, without with Keanu and Hackman, uh, they make the movie better than, you know, they rise above what uh, the rest we're of given. Material, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And but so it's it's what makes it a movie that I'm always gonna enjoy, and you know there's that nostalgia factor too. But at the same, it's just like it's just the enjoyable movie that, and it's just fun to see. You know, a lot of Keanu's best movies are very either they're action movies or they're like very serious drama. So it's good to see him just having fun in a movie. Yeah, this is one of the few comedies outside of obviously the Bill and Ted movies early in his career that really like just lets him be and works. 
Yeah, I mean, he had, like, we talked about his other romantic comedy that just didn't work. Uh, so this is, it's nice to see this, even as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, sem- you know, middle of the road it is. But it's just, again, just good to see him having a good time. Uh, so, yeah, after this, uh, they have the second game. Uh, and this one goes much better. Um, but this is fun, like, where they uh, a tackle is, like, targeting uh Keanu, uh, so he comes up with this play to, like, he tells the O-line to, like, let them through, and they're like, what? And just trust me. Uh, yep. And then probably the best fun play of the game, or of the movie, of he, like, throws the ball at his helmet, uh, like, right in his face. Uh, and then, yeah, this is where uh, Fumiko, the sumo wrestler, catches it and, you know, runs into touchdown. And, yeah, this is where that yep. Madden line is. Uh, yep. It's a scene pretty much straight out of The Longest Yard. Mm-hmm. Um back in the 70s where right. Burt Reynolds hit a guy in the nuts with the ball to get him off his back. Um, but they, yeah, edit it up here and make it into, they score a touchdown on the play. Yeah. And it kind of brings everyone together a little more. Yeah, and then uh, this moment where the cheerleaders are now, you know, doing it, and it starts, like, distracting the other team, and that gets them to, win, you know, <laughs> score a goal, and or win, you know. Uh, yep. And then uh, there's 55 seconds left. They do an outside kick. Uh, and then this it comes down to uh, they're basically two points down, uh, and it's up to uh, the kicker. Uh, so he makes his first his first kick ever. Uh, he makes you know wins the game with a uh, field goal, and yeah, and then they won. So that's cool. Uh, and then this is pro- this is maybe the most uh, awkward again as good as the chemistry between uh, Keanu and. Uh, Brooke Langton. Brooke Langton are. Uh, this scene is like, I don't know what they were thinking here. Uh, so it's this romantic scene and it's fine. Well, like, you know, again, they have good chemistry. The It's a nice, uh, some nice lighting by, it's crazy to me that uh, Tak Fujimoto of, you know, Science of the Lamb shot it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, most of the, you don't see that, but in this, like, yeah, it's, uh, but it, then, so they're having this nice romantic moment, but then, the song they decided to set it to is Every Breath You Take, which is <laughs> yes. just the worst possible song to pick for that. Because, like, well, it's, and it's one of those things where, like, uh, you know, Sting has said that that song is very, it's very misunderstood. Like, it's not supposed yes. to, it's supposed to be creepy. Like, yes. that was the intention of it. Uh, so it's just like that. And then while they start, uh, you know, coming close to make out, it's then using the football commentary to, you know, like Falco scores. And He's it's just, really going for yeah, it. Yeah, just very uncomfortable. But uh, much, much like the script of the movie, the soundtrack has some identity crisis moments. It really hits the in stadium stuff. It's got all those, you know, good vibrations. Right. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. We will Jack rock you, of course. Of the nineties yeah. stuff. Um, but then, yeah, it opens with the you know the new rock stuff. Um, there's this moment at the end of the movie, we get David Bowie randomly. Right. Uh, it's a a really weird soundtrack all over the place. Yeah. And the, uh, talk, you know, so again, like, uh, Keanu being basically can, you know, he's very, uh, charming and like we, it it overcomes the super problematic nature of both parts of that scene. Uh, like, but it's again, like, how much can you care when uh, two attractive people are, you know... In- and also, you know, she went through her whole back and forth. She doesn't date football players. Right. And then just, it's over. She's dating football players. Yep. Now. And now, she, yep, now she's the just the girlfriend now. Uh, yep. Uh, but yeah, now uh, the third game is on the road. Uh, and this is where uh, they do something very illegal where it's so like they need... They need to score. Uh, they need to get a touchdown. Uh, Franklin's obviously their fastest uh, wide receiver, so they need him to go for it, but he still can't catch for shit. Uh, so they, as you do, they put glue on his hands. Uh, yeah, they put stick him on. Yeah. He gives the, the random line, which I always love, of, Coach, I look like I just jacked off an elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which- Underlines the comedic nature of this character, where it's you know almost expect him to slip on a banana peel at some point. Um, 
Although they do kind of have him slip at the beginning on a Twinkie. Right. Where he steps on the Twinkie. So, I get, yeah, we don't need the banana peel. Uh, yeah, so they it works, though. Uh, and there's, like, where he tries to, you know, celebrate, spike the ball, uh, but it can't come off. Uh, yep. Finally, a ref just, you know, rips it off and... Uh, Wipes it on his shirt. But it's fine. We're not going to, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, the ref's not going to think that's weird and not going to, you know, take the score back. But... Right. Uh... It's fine. We need we need the underdogs to win, and that's you know it's it's a comedy. Uh, and they also throw a giant brawl into this, or is that the last game? Uh, I might be skipping ahead. Yeah, that's the next game. Yeah. Oh, never mind. My bad. My bad. <laughs> You're good. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, so when they win, uh, Franklin starts kind of harassing the reporter, uh, which is like <laughs> super sketchy, but it ends well with like. Uh, uh, Favreau comes in and pushes him down and like, uh, and she just says like, at least the report, it's, it's not played as it's supposed to be good. Like the reporter's like, this is gross. Like you guys are sick. Yeah. <laughs> but well, and then, uh, gruff, the kicker walks up and goes, cheers, bitch. Yeah. Just randomly. <laughs> it's just a weird moment. Right. You know, it's playing to that juvenile humor <laughs> yeah. that gets associated with football fans sometimes and is sometimes earned. Right. Uh, yeah, so it, it's not great, but again, like it's not—it's not unexpected. It's not surprising, really. But right, uh, yeah. And then uh, right before the last game, uh, Martell decides to cross the picket line, uh, and so they now Falco's out, uh, and this is where they finally, again, like I said, it felt weird in the early scenes of making the owners the good guys and the players who want fair pay to be the bad guys, but it ends up showing that, no, the owner's just a greedy, you know, jerk. Yeah. Like, uh, and, uh, so McGinty, against his wishes, he really wants, you know, Falco to play because he, he's earned this. Like, it's, uh, and obviously the, uh, it's clear, it's very clear, you can tell right away that, like, obviously now that, uh, Martel's back, that the other players aren't going to be able to, it's just not going to work out. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, Martel uh, in the locker room as he's packing up comes in, fake, you know, pretends like he's going to apologize, but really he's just going to be a dick and say like uh, that it's cruel. It's cr- it's really cruel to what they do to you. You know, give you hope, like uh, mm-hmm. just being a real dick. <laughs> yeah, Brett Cohen is one of those guys I've seen in dozens of movies. Yeah, he's a that guy. Yeah, for sure, he's one of and those guys. I because of this movie being kind of my first remembrance of him every time i see him almost i'm like oh it's eddie martell i hate that guy yeah it's similar to when he's playing sport yeah when jerk for me that's also for like uh in happy gilmore like that uh actor i really like yep uh but he'll always be shooter mcgavin like (laughs) yep or william atherton going back to die hard and ghostbusters he's one of those guys in my head now which he's great at it so it's one of those Mm -hmm. things where i i love to hate his you know even when it's uh, it's just a fun. I enjoy that. Like it's. Yep. It's a great character actor. It's a job well done. I mean, he did what he was supposed to. We hate right. it, but that's that's what he was written as. It's not his fault. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he also says again, like this unnecessary thing where he like says, you know, Annabelle, does, you deserve like uh, Annabelle doesn't deserve you, but at the same time, it's very unclear who Annabelle actually is. Like how, like because she says later that she's like she's not really the le- or you know that. There's, again, throwaway commentary on the treatment of uh, cheerleaders where they get paid shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, so why does he care? Like, it's just it's just so that he gets in his head so that he has to uh, stand up Annabelle so they have a little bit of a tiff conflict. There, yeah. yeah. That's then, immediately just, like, as soon as he shows up later, it's like, it's fine. I love you, man. I always yeah. wondered if it's supposed to be implied that her and Martell dated. Yeah, maybe. she even mentions that quarterbacks are the worst. Right. Um, but they never, you know, directly address that. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, again, like, it, it's it's serv- it's serviceable, and uh, we're not expecting any more at this point. Like, she's just going to... Let's hope they end up together, basically, as far as... I mean, it's that classic 90s romantic comedy or even comedy moment where everything is going well, suddenly everything falls apart. Right. Uh, And so, yeah, the final game uh, starts. uh, The, you know, they're playing like shit. Uh, Martell is, like, phoning it in and has no... 
no desire to actually bond with these guys because he's just basically like, uh, I got my money now. Uh, we'll just who cares? Uh, yeah, he gets into it with McGinty like he does. He's running the wrong plays. Yeah, and he's you know being like, this is how I play. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Uh-huh. You know, like just again, just being a dick. <laughs> For, uh, and uh, so they're down now, seventeen to nothing. Uh, they're hopeless. You know, end of the first half. Uh, and then uh, McGinty signals Falco through the interview uh, by repeating a line from earlier, which we gloss over, uh, of this moment where he, like, says how much he, how sad he is now and says, like, uh, that, you know, he says earlier that uh, you have miles and miles of heart. Uh, mm-hmm. So he says that and that, you know, the signal. And so Falco shows up, uh, should have been the second half and. Which is not legal, by the right. way. I mean, I know it's a movie, but in the NFL, you can't be at home on your boat, show up at halftime, and go in the game. Right. And anyway, not not the point. Yeah, I mean, that and just in logistical fact, like, how did he get to the stadium so fast? And, like, right. who let him in? And uh, It's fine. You know, we need, we need them to come together and yeah. win. Uh, yep. Uh, and then, yeah, like, he just, he just says, like, I'm sorry to Annabelle, and then he's like, it's okay. We're good. Let's make and a kiss on the field, and John Madden comments on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't remember Madden's line. He says something of uh, uh, he's necking her. Says, yeah, yeah, he's necking, he's the necking cheerleader. on that cheerleader. And the other announcer is, "Have you ever seen anything like that?" Oh, I don't know. I've never seen that. Uh, yeah, and uh, so the, he's back in. Uh, the first play is this guy, uh, which you mentioned earlier, like the guy who uh, blew out his knee, and his whole desire is to score one touchdown. Uh, and then he'll be satisfied. Uh, so he makes it, gets injured again, and but he's cool because he's like, I did it. Because he scored the touchdown. Yeah. It's glory over everything. That's the football motto. Right. You hang around it long enough. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, Falco, you know, doing good, runs the first down, big first down. Uh, and then big touchdown. Now it's 14-17. Um, and then, again, so the, the final play, they're going to do a kick to tie it. Uh, but then now, now they finally bring back that uh, the bookies that Gruff owes money to uh, are there, and it's funny that they're like uh, they they're in desperate need of this guy, this drunk Welsh guy's money, but they afforded front row tickets to the game to a yeah. final game of the regular season. Uh, but it's fun. Well, yeah, the, yeah, they're setting up to tie the game with the field goal, and he just looks at Falco like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and then he calls an audible out of it. Yeah, so it's basically like um, he has to th- like he has to throw the game. Like if he uh, right. and he figures that if he I mean, I guess he's saying that they'll forgive him if it's not him who wins the game. I don't know if like, that's how it works, but yeah, that's kind of what's implied. Yeah. Uh and so yeah, uh he talk about the last second uh does a and for some reason the quarterback is holding the ball for the kicker. Like I don't know. I don't, yeah, it's is that a not, thing that happens? Like, <laughs> I mean, some do, but it's usually not your starter. So yeah. it's a weird yeah. moment. But uh, maybe it's because it's replacement players. And he know, needs to score course. the final. Yeah, it needs to be him that scores the final touchdown. Yep. Uh, but it's a great moment because he the final touchdown is to... He calls for a deep pass to uh, Murphy, who's our uh, player who's deaf. And it's yep. just good that he, he gets the big you know final play. Cause, uh, and I really like those two together. The, uh, yes. It's just great, like... I almost wish that was more of the move. Like, he was more, if they had bonded even more off, you know, in between the game. But it's funny that this, I thought this movie was shorter, but it, it's almost a full two hours. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's that much in it, mm-hmm. but it's one of the longer, you know, comedies you'll find at almost two hours. And yeah, the stuff with uh, Daniel Murphy at tight end, he's brought in as, you know, he would have been a potential first round pick and he's a world beater on the field, but he's just kind of an afterthought in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's, it's funny that like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there are any deaf players. Like, I don't know how that, I don't know enough about football to, uh, you know, I don't know that one off the top of my head either, but, um, uh, it would be cool. You know, like, uh, I mean, it makes sense that you can't, how are you going to call? I mean, especially with the microphone, like the way that, uh, modern football mm-hmm. gives calls to people, but, uh, it's good, just good to see a deaf player, you know, deaf player score a game-winning touchdown. Uh, yeah, and they even have the moment in the huddle where he asks who wants it. Falco does, and Murphy like claps his hands mm-hmm. like, "All right, it's me." Yeah, it's great. You know? It's yeah, really good stuff. Uh, so yeah, 
big end. You know, they, they win. Uh, the players run out on the field. Uh, they and this is where uh, I mean I'm again like you said uh, David Bowie's Heroes, but it's not. They didn't. They paid for a cover. It's a cover. Of yeah, paying, you're right. I think it is a cover. Yeah, and it's not that. a very good cover either. But right. it's your very. It's again. It's your new rock cover of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like very early thought, but but it it you know it works for what it is and. Uh, Annabelle comes out, they kiss on the field again, of course. Uh, and then this is where, like, and now this is where it's almost doing the based on a true story thing uh, with the final, like, voice Like, it's a, uh, they're showing McGinty, and then it's just Gene Hackman doing a voiceover, giving this big, you know, greatness, no matter how brief, stays with a man. And it's like, yeah. Uh, it's like, they never all played so, again, it's trying to be, but they were winners now. Yeah, it's trying to be that movie kind of all, all of a sudden again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, well, we, we missed, we left out the uh, final huddle before the touchdown where Keanu gets the line that I've heard actual football players use. Um, of He gives this kind of brief monologue. We, I don't have much to say, mm-hmm. but pain, oh, how does it go now? I lost it. <laughs> pain doesn't last. Scars heal. Right. Glory lasts. Or chicks dig stars. He says. Oh, that's it. That. Yep. Uh, how did that go now? Now I've screwed it up and I've ruined the whole podcast. Yay. But, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> no, You're good. Uh, it'll be. It's in. I'm sure it's. I'm sure that scene's on YouTube. Uh, Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. I'm pretty sure is what he yeah, says. It's, I'm sure it's something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then. It's, it, a, it's not a great line. No. But. Uh, yeah, and then it ends I'm with, kind of uh, again, them dancing to I Will Survive in the end zone. <laughs> Throwing it back, which, like you said, is one of the best moments in the movie, so it's a good way to end on it. Yeah, and, it, you know, again, this movie is, it is what it is, and it's just it's just a very enjoyable, uh, it's it's almost, it's the perfect Saturday on cable movie. Like, yeah, uh, especially if you're into, even if you're not into sports, it's like, it's, it does what you need, it does what you need from a football film, and. Uh, again, you get to see Keanu with his flowing locks being a cool mm-hmm. quarterback. So, Well, and like I was kind of saying with my introductions to Keanu and some of those late 90s movies he was in before The Matrix, a lot of times it seemed like he was trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just, I remember this being one of the first times where I'm like, okay, he's just having fun with it. And he's very charming and very likable in the role. Yeah, and it's funny uh, that... I think uh, he tapped into that more the rest of his career. Right. Uh, it's funny, though, like, uh, the three movies that came out in 2000, the year after The Matrix, were uh, The Watcher, The Gift, and The Replacements. And it's funny that he basically has the same haircut in all yeah. <laughs> in all three movies. But he's a killer in two of them. Yeah. Uh, and it's like... <laughs> I love The Watcher. Yeah, so it's funny that, like, in those versions, like, yeah, his hair is, uh, like, it, obviously in The Gift is very greasy, but here it's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's like... Uh, it's it's almost that he, uh, it's because he grew it out after the Matrix and like this is what we, and, uh, but I like long hair Keanu so it's cool. Yeah, it works. Uh, yeah, so that does it for uh, the replacements again. A movie that I think, uh, if you want to have if you like Keanu, you're going to enjoy it just because it's him having a good time and uh, it's not a, again it's not a groundbreaking movie by any means, but it's just very enjoyable. Yes, absolutely. I've. I don't know if it's the most I've seen any Keanu movie. Probably Bill and Ted on that, but it's up there for me just because of where I saw it. At, you know, first, and it was one of those easy with a bunch of guys in college. Right. Hey, the replacements is on. Yeah, let's watch that. Yeah, it's definitely a. Oh, it's on. Let's watch it and you know mess around and. Uh, yeah, you don't have to pay too close attention if you've already seen it. You can catch back up. You know, it's a real accessible movie. For sure. Uh, okay, yeah. Before you go, uh, tell the fine people uh, what you, uh, where they can find you, and what other good work you do online. I uh, do some work. Uh, <laughs> I'm the Mike. You can find me on Twitter at the Mike Thirty One and co-hosting the Get a Clue podcast, uh, Get a Clue Pod on Twitter, uh, with the wonderful and talented LB, who I know you've had on the show. Yep, she was on um, the uh, night before episode. It was, you know, so yeah. Go listen to their podcast. Uh, it's like Keanu, but for a great uh, lesser-known character actor, and you should definitely listen to it. Uh, yeah, so thanks for being on, Mike. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Uh, thanks to, thank you all for listening. Uh, join me next time, where we'll be talking about uh, The Watcher. 
Until then, keep being excellent to each other.